God is good. He is a good, good father. And as we celebrate Father's Day, don't forget that. We have a good father. And he loves us. That's who we are. Before I share some thoughts with you today, I'd like to do a couple of things. First of all, if you would turn and look at the pavilion behind you that has been put up here during the last couple of weeks, we want to dedicate this structure to the glory of God. Amen. So we're going to have a prayer of dedication as we dedicate this structure that will house um, our uh, buses, will also house activities, picnics, uh, and other. It can't house, house music because the acoustics inside don't work. <laughs> but um, let's pray together, shall we? Our Father in God, as we come into your presence, we want to thank you for each and every gift of life. And God, we thank you for this gift that you have provided and pray, Father, that you would use it to your glory and to your honor. Father, we dedicate it now to you, praying, Father, that all who come close to and make use of this facility would be blessed by you, would experience the power of your presence through Jesus Christ, our Lord, Amen. Amen. Want to thank Cliff and want to thank Ashton for his presentation on that. Um, I call it an all-inclusive building. No matter how tall you are, you'll fit in that building. <laughs> I'd like to share with you something else this morning before I start. I'd like to share with you a testimony. Now, y'all know Amanda. Donnelly and how loud and boisterous she is and how she likes to take over whenever she's in front of people. <clears throat> so I convinced her to let me read her testimony for her. This is Amanda's testimony. We baptized Amanda three weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. As a child, I grew up in the church. While we weren't there every Sunday, we tried our best to make it when we could. As a teenager, young adult, life in college was busy, so I stopped going regularly, but still would attend Christmas and Easter services. Eventually, I would get married, have a kid. Having a child in today's world is challenging. There are many obstacles and hurdles leading us astray. Having a foundation built in faith and knowing that there is a lot more out there than just living this life is imperative. Setting an example the best way we can. They may not always hear what we say, but they do see our actions. Tomorrow is uncertain but eternity is forever. Thank you, Amanda, for sharing those words with us. Let's pause in prayer one more time, shall we? Father God, I just want to thank you for this opportunity and pray, Lord, that you would use the words of my mouth and the meditations of every heart and within the hearing of my voice to your glory and to your honor for Christ's sake, amen.
How many of you remember the program Father Knows Best? Some of you still watch it, I understand. I was raised on Father Knows Best. That was the image I had of what it meant to be a farmer. A father. Farmer I got from my daddy. But, but what are some of the images of father we have on TV today? What are some of the father figures we see projected out there today? Anybody? I know y'all don't watch TV at all. So uh, the one that comes to my mind, and this one dates me a little bit, is The Simpsons. And we've gone from the image of father, from father knows best, to this cartoon character, Homer Simpson, as an image of father in our world today. We've come a long ways from the way it used to be to the role of father in our world today. It's changed a lot in the last 50 years. Family is very different today than it used to be as well. We have moved from the traditional family to the one parent family, to families where the parents are not married. And now with same sex couples in families, how you define family has changed over the last 50 years. Even as the role of father has changed, the concept of family is changing in our culture. But the question is, how do we respond to that? How does the church respond to this changing role of a father? To the changing definitions that we're getting for what it means to be family? And, and how do you be family in a world like this is today? It's a very challenging question that we are dealing with as the people of God seek to be the people of God in our world today. Mother's Day and Father's Day are two of the hardest Sundays to present the biblical model of what it means to be a mother and father because so many people don't have positive role models. So many people don't have positive images of their earthly father. None of you are that way. A lot of strong family units here. Count your blessings. Amen. Be grateful for what God has provided. But we're to minister to all people. We're to minister to families no matter what shape they come in. We're to love people regardless of whether they look like us, whether they believe the way we do or not. That's what Jesus did. And we are to be Jesus in the world today. So how do we do that? When we speak of God the Father, we're speaking of the provider, our creator. God revealed himself as the father of the nation Israel who protected, guided, and nurtured his children. We often translate that image of the Father God to our earthly God. And we see our earthly fathers as being our protector, 
provider and our guide, the head of the household. That's who the father image is in the Old Testament. But you know, the emotional pressure of being the spiritual head was so great on mortal man that he couldn't bear it. So God created a helper for the man. And this helper would complete him and be a companion for him. Marriage is the union of a man and a woman that brings out the best in both of them so that they are complete. Together, they become one. They become a whole. They become one whole being. And God intended it that way. Two become one. They become whole together. Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. So God created mankind in his own image. We were created to be like God. We were created to be in the image of God. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then I'm going to jump to Genesis 2, 24 and 25. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and Eve were both naked, and they felt no shame. That's the way God established the first family. And we can learn a great deal from that creation story of, of how God put us together as family and created us in his image and, and desired for us to have the best of everything. And all they had to do was to pull, pull fruit from the trees and eat and they didn't have any worries and cares. They didn't have any alarm clocks to have to get up to. They didn't have to worry about any of that. Boy, they had life was good in the Garden of Eden. That's the way God intended it. And in the scripture reading we read this morning, we see in God's design for the family that not only did God provide for them, but he told this first man and woman, he said, be fruitful and multiply. Now, that's one commandment we've taken pretty seriously. There are some countries that limit the number of children that you can have because we take that one and we run off with it. But that's part of what God designed the family to be, is that place where he creates and nurtures children for the world. Parents become God's instruments in raising up children into the image of God. Y'all gotten real quiet on me. That's okay. Uh, I realize that I'm walking on very thin ice today. Um, but it's something I think we as the people of God need to encounter and deal with if we're to be effective in our world today.
So being fruitful and multiply was one of the things that God designed for the family. Um, he also said that the family was to have dominion over the earth. We're to be stewards of the earth. We're to be caretakers of all of this. We're to be good stewards of the trees and the water and the air. It's been entrusted to us by God as stewards of his creation. Not only are we to be good stewards of the earth, but we're also so, supposed to um, um, cleave to one another in marriage. The husband was to leave his parents, the two become one and they cleave to one another. And there's something in this marriage bond where nothing is to come between you. You leave your parents and you start another family unit and nothing should come between the husband and wife, not even children. Parents need to have that kind of unity and union in order to fulfill what God designed them to be. And lastly, as we read that scripture, we see where they were not ashamed. They, they, there was nothing to be ashamed of. There was the total innocence that they had before God. And there was no shame because there was nothing to feel guilty for or to be ashamed of. Then we read Genesis chapter 3. Do you know what happened in Genesis chapter 3? The old devil comes along and we have the fall of man. So Adam and Eve were in this garden of Eden and along comes this, uh, the devil and, and the devil tempts them into disobeying God and disobedience entered in and it changed everything. No longer were Adam and Eve content in the garden of Eden. It changed it so much that if you read in chapter three, Verse 10. We read where when God came into the garden looking for them. Adam answered, I heard you in the garden. And I was afraid. Because I was naked. So I hid. Fear entered into the heart of man. With the fall. And the relationship with God was broken from because of our sin because of our disobedience we no longer have that freedom in our, our relationship with God we hide from God and that fear there's no their perfect love has no fear in it and when we are afraid of God when we fear life when we fear living we're not able to love the way God intended us to love and all of that happened because of our disobedience to God, because of our sin within us. We are no longer in the Garden of Eden. Family would never be the same again. Instead of God providing food for them to eat, man would have to work to support his family. Women would experience pain and childbirth. And none of this was the way 
God designed it. That was not God's intention when he created us. We fell so far. Chapter 3, verse 12 reads this way. God came up to the man and said, what, what, what's going on, Adam? And Adam said, that woman you gave me <laughs> made me eat the apple. <laughs> and we've been doing that ever since. We've been blaming somebody else for our sin. We've been putting the blame of our actions on somebody else. Now, guys, I don't know if you're thinking it now, but if you haven't, you haven't sometime in your past that if you'd married the right person, you'd be more successful than you are. Some of you had that thought. You look at the rest of the Bible. The whole book from Genesis to Revelation. And try to find the story of a healthy family. You'll be hard pressed to find one. Throughout the Bible you'll find stories of families where brother killed brother. There's adultery, there's lying, there's incest, there's deception, there's selling your brother into slavery, there's killing family members so that you can be king. It's hard to find an example of a healthy family in the scriptures. Even Jesus was born to an unwed mother. So how do you do family as sinners? How can we as sinners come together and and have a marriage and have a family when we're already filled with sin. How do we do that? In the scriptures, it talks about um, the term household. Doesn't use the term family. Especially in the New Testament where it refers to, uh, when it's talking about family, it'll use the word household. But in biblical times, the term household was more of a business than what we consider the nuclear family today. Their definition of, of, of family would have been the whole household, and the household would have included uh, servants and caretakers, uh, slaves, and sometimes multiple wives. So when you when you read about family in the in the in the Bible, how do you define it? How do we define it today? How do we define family? in our world today? How do we as a church define family? How can we be the kind of family God created us to be when we too are sinners and fall far short from the glory of God? When we too don't live up to what God desires for us to be created in his image? How do we establish a home and family and a world that continues to pull us apart? The Pew Research Center did a research recently. Two-parent households have dropped from 87% in 
in 1960 to 69% in 2014. Two-parent households are on a decline. It's not like it used to be. The place of family and our culture no longer has a priority. And there are some people who say that the nuclear family has failed us and that we shouldn't try to find, put our hope into a nuclear family, but we should put our hope into a support group. Find a group of people who can support us the way our family used to support us. It's changing. How do we respond? Distance, financial stress, balancing work and family time and divorce are destructive forces that every family faces and it's tearing us apart. What do we do? Today, as we celebrate Father's Day, there are many families that are struggling to stay together or they're feeling the pressure of a changing world. The good news is Father knows best. Not our earthly Father. He's a good, good God. Amen. He's a good, good Father. And we need to look to him and trust him and rely on our heavenly father in days like this. We have examples of many families in the scriptures who fell far short of the glory of God, but God still used them. There's hope for us. There's hope for us when we mess up because our God still loves us because our God, the God who created all of this, who created us is going to love us and forgive us if we stay in relationship with him. Over the past year, many of us have had to learn to live with each other on a daily basis with no breaks at all constantly <laughs> under each other's feet we were given the opportunity to bond together as a family unit and i think this crowd probably did very well with that you know some people said you know with the pandemic that they were going to have a baby boom in nine months. But others said they were more worried about divorce court than they were about <laughs> a baby boom uh, in trying to stay together. But there's, there's something different about us. Um, it, it's true that we may all be in the same storm, but, but we're not in the same boat because you see, for many of us, life did not change that much before the pandemic and during the pandemic. We, we were used to living off the land. We were used to being isolated. We were used to being family units. I believe it's much better to live out in the country 
than it is to live on concrete. But there are many, many families who had to deal with this in an apartment building or in a multifamily housing where they had to stay isolated from each other, but still had each other right next to each other. We didn't have that. We had the great outdoors that we could get out into. And we were aware that God was there because you can't miss him out here. <clears throat> Those who know that the God who created them is with them and will provide have a peace that passes understanding in the midst of a crisis. Amen. If you know that God is there and you know that God's going to provide for you and you're trusting him, then there is a peace that passes understanding in the midst of that storm. We're all in the same storm, but we're not all in the same boat. Not everybody believes those who rely on God's strength instead of their own have the power of the universe at their disposal. We have a power within us that can raise people from the dead. We have eternity in front of us. This is not our home. And those promises gives us a hope that only God can give. We have a good good father families that are bound together with the love of christ are able to forgive one another when we mess up and still stay together you know why because we've experienced god's forgiveness in our lives and we forgive others the way god has forgiven us now that's not the way the scriptures say you know what the scripture says God forgives you the way you forgive others. But if we allow the forgiveness of God to become our example, and we forgive one another with that kind of forgiveness, there's great power in it. Families that know that God is in control do not allow what they hear on the news to make them give up hope. Your world is not shaken because you know who's in control. Amen. And because of that, you face life differently. Father knows best. Our God knows who you are, knows your heart, and loves you anyway. Thank you, Jesus. And because of that, we're called on to love one another. We're called on to love people different from us. And just because we disagree with them, we're still called on to love them. Even if their values are different than our values, we're called on to love them. It is a different world. And the people of God who've experienced the love of Christ in their lives have a power to change the world we live in. So where do we turn? Joshua led the children of Israel after Moses died 
he led them into a hostile world. He led them, uh, and remember, they marched around Jericho, and they took Jericho, and, and there were enemies everywhere they went, but they had to fight. And, and Joshua was leading the children of Israel through all this hostility. And in the world we live in today, you know, we're often confronted with what seems to be hostilities. It goes against what we believe in. But Joshua called the people's attention and said to them, choose. You choose who you're going to serve. You can serve the gods around you. You, you, can, you can do what the culture tells you to do. Or you can serve the Lord God who spoke to your father Abraham who took you out of captivity in Egypt and led you into the promised land. You choose, said Joshua, as you go out there into the world, as you go out there into the hostilities, as you, as you go out there into a people who may not be friendly to you, you choose who you're going to serve. And then Joshua gave these words. Joshua 24, and I'm paraphrasing verses 2 and 15. And Joshua said unto all the people, Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We can choose to do it God's way, or we can choose to do it the way of the world. The choice is ours. But when you choose, make sure you choose totally and completely. Because even though we live in a hostile world, we're supposed to love our enemies. And if you're going to choose to follow God, find a way to love those different from you. Don't be confused by what you hear around you. God is still in control and has a plan for your life and for mine. God has a plan for this church. And we're trying to find out what that plan is. You choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, I'm going to serve God. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for being a good, good God for being a good, good father. And because you, Father, are so good, we have hope. Because you're a good father, we have a sense of peace within. Because you love us just the way we are. And God, you called us to love others just the way they are. Give us that kind of love, Father. Love for one another and love for our enemies. And we can only do that, Father, when we are surrendered to you and allow your spirit to move through us. Speak to our hearts now, Father, as only you can. For Christ's sake, amen.